Hello and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind the spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Create spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So, whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. I'm out in North Norfolk at a space that sits somewhere between your local boozer, a country hotel and contemporary art gallery. It is, of course, the Gunton Arms. Nestled in a thousand acre deer park, it serves up venison and other local produce that's cooked on an open fire with a 10,000 year old elk's head hanging above the fireplace. And I'm incredibly excited to welcome both Stuart and Simone Tatterson to the podcast, who are going to tell me all about bringing this incredible space to life. Stuart, Simone, welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing today? We're great, yeah, welcome to you. I remember the last time I saw you, uh, you was enjoying a margarita and a sticky top of pudding. I mean, the dinner of champions. I, is that the combo I never knew I needed in my life? Yeah, it's inspiration for the menu now. <laughs> I love it. it. And how about you, Simone? How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. It's lovely to have you here. Oh, such a pleasure. And we're here in the snuggest little sitting room at the Gunton Arms, looking out over that amazing deer park, which I can't wait to hear all about. But first off, I'd love to hear a bit about you guys and your stories and how you've ended up here in North Norfolk. Yeah, I think um, Simone and I met in um, Yorkshire, even though I'm a Lancastrian. Ooh. We met in the uh, fine city of Leeds in a fish restaurant, which I uh, launched in, uh, I can't remember the date. When was it, Simone? I think you opened it about 1999, yeah, and 2000, and I joined the team in 2001. Personally speaking, it was fantastic for me. It was a, even though it was a chain restaurant, it was part of the Chez Girard group. But it was kind of like the last gasp where um, I was given a Ptolemy in the kitchen and sourced my own suppliers, recruited my own team, wrote my own menu. Um, So I enjoyed that, and that was like a great uh, insight into the industry. Um, Unfortunately, everything uh, tightened up after that. A lot of these companies used to bulk buy. uh, It all became very generic for all these Mm. companies. So I I kind of had a really uh, lucky break on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. One of them being arriving at the Gunton Arms, I suppose. Yeah. And how about you, Simone? So you guys met well there and then you went down to London, didn't you? We did. So uh, prior to me joining the team at LiveBait, I'd done the travelling the travelling bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I fully intended to just work there for a short amount of time to yeah. save up some money. That's how they get you, isn't it? Yeah. And then met... Stuart and a whole host of friends that we're still close with today and um, yeah the bright lights of London were calling and off we went (laughs) basically wasn't it and then how did we get to hear from there really? Well I was um, working quite a lot of independent restaurants in London and I really uh, cottoned on to uh, the resurgence of the British seasonal food movement. 
So who was at the helm of that? No other than uh, Mark Hicks. You know, he was a leading light, championed all the suppliers. And um, again, I was very fortunate um, to be offered the Ed Chef's job in his first solo restaurant. It was the Oyster and Chop House in Farringdon. Um, again, you know, I was given so much uh, responsibility and freedom. And um, Mark kind of took away the mystique of it all. It was like the honesty of the ingredients, you know, three things on a plate, fiercely loyal to the seasons. Um, and I kind of just bought into it, really, and, and, and decided that that was the route I was going to go. Um, so four years at the Chomp House. Um, through that, we got introduced to... Well, I, I... Yeah, so I joined the team. It was a really young company because Mark had left um, Caprice Holdings, hadn't he? Um, where he'd been for about 25 years. So we're at the beginning of this young company. Stuart was one of the first in, and uh, I'd, I was working. I'd moved with Group Chez Gerard down to London, so I was cutting my teeth in their management programmes and then wanted to move to um, an independent, get away from the, the, the chains, yeah and um, joined the Hicks team when they opened Soho. Mm -hmm. So I was at Soho when Stuart was um, in East London, and it was just a really great, fun time. <laughs> I think the beginning times of any company is the best years. Um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work hard, play hard, as they say. <laughs> but we learned so much, and... Um, and it was whilst working for Mark that I met Iva um, doing um, outside catering jobs away from the normal restaurant work. So on evenings we'd do gallery jobs, Tracy Emmons or um, down on the South Bank and Iva was a private client. Um, and unlike most clients who... You go in, you do your job, you get in, you get out. Iva was very welcoming and you know, have a glass of wine and all of that. Just a really nice guy. And then, yes, it was sort of through that. And then I, th I believe he bought the Gunton Arms because he lives on the estate. He was looking for specifically a couple, wasn't he, to, to run the place when it opened and he went to Mark and Pruleith and a few other people to ask for advice. And Mark said, meet Simone and Stuart. We'd been looking at something in the Cotswolds through Mark and that hadn't kind of fitted us. So it kind of just all got placed together. And the first time we really spoke to him, we met at Liverpool Street Station. We all got on the train for two hours and that was kind of... <laughs> the interview <laughs> was just really chatting yeah. on a train right. and uh, coming up here. And that was the first time I'd ever been to Norfolk. Really? Um, got shown around the estate in, in the gamekeeper's van, yeah. thrown about in the back with his dogs and <laughs> sat in all my city yeah. <laughs> coats and everything. Um, and at the end of that day... I, 
sort of just turned to us and said, what do you think? Are you going to do it? And we went, yeah, why not? What have we got to lose? And it was really as simple as that. And the second time I came to Norfolk was the transit van full of no. stuff. Yeah. My gosh, well, all roads lead to Norfolk in this case. <laughs> and maybe for people who haven't been here to this part of the world, could you paint a bit of a picture of the local area? Well, I think we're 10 minutes from the coast. Which is beautiful and wild and... Five miles from Cromer, world famous for its uh, crabs, of course. Mm -hmm. And then the whole um, surrounding area is peppered with beautiful uh, National Trust buildings, Blickling Hall, Mm -hmm. Fellbrig. The question I get asked on a daily basis at breakfast usually is, um, well, what do you recommend we should do? And... I said, just stick to that coastal road. If you head north from here, you just stumble on idyllic village after idyllic village, you know, little village pubs. Um, and it's famous. Everybody's got a dog in Norfolk, so. But it's a really arty county as well. I think because of the vast skies, it's very open. And I think it, I think you find there's lots of creative people that live around and about as well definitely and it's such a huge like landmass. I was driving here last night I think in my head I think it's a bit like Kent which is actually quite a shallow mm. land but actually it really goes on it's a big county and- but you have to be coming here yeah the, there are no other inroads it's, yeah exactly there's no motorway it's mm. still very undiscovered you don't bypass Norfolk yeah, yeah. You come here with intention. And you've got a real mix. You've got the broads as well as the beaches and I'd like to say mountains, but there really aren't any. <laughs> I was going to say, hmm, Norfolk and mountains are not a combo I think of. Well, no. No- Norwich as well, you know, it's a fantastic medieval city mm-hmm. and it's retained its um, independent shops. It's not it's not sold out to uh, the big kind of chains. It's got its share mm-hmm. of shopping centres, but you can still meander around the lanes and the uh, streets of Norwich. It's a fantastic city, yeah. And there's a lovely little train line. Which... So when you've had one too many here, you can just <laughs> jump that's on the idea. train home. Well, that's the other thing. You, you don't, we don't get any um, footfall at the Gunton Arms. It's You can only access it by uh, vehicle. Yeah. Um, it's not like you're in a little village where um, the villagers sort of totter down the road and have a few pints. You know, you, you, you have to travel by car. You know. mm. So we're a bit, not limited, but we're destination place. Definitely. Well, let's get into the Gunton then. So you come here, you park up, and I love you have to walk through the actual enclosure fence of the deer park to go through, and then this beautiful old sort of pebble outside exterior with the sort of red strips around the side looking out over this amazing view I'm looking at now just rolling parkland and trees I'd love to hear a bit about bringing it to life how did it happen what was that project like? so when when we first came here it was it, it, it was an old country house hotel called Elderton Lodge and um it, it just needed some love <laughs> and attention um there was an old uh, conservatory on the back. Um, it, it, it was it was very tired. It was um, sort of very lilac and peachy Sweet. and twee. Yeah. Um, but Ivor being Ivor, who's 
you know, very rock and roll. That wasn't his vision at all. And actually, one of the big things that came to be here that I think was wholly his idea was cooking on the open fire that we do in the elk room. And he'd, he said, yeah, I've got this idea about cooking on this fire. Uh, they do it in France and everything. And my only point of reference to cooking indoors was like Turkish restaurants, mango grills, that kind of thing. I, re- I just couldn't understand it. I thought children were going to get hurt. <laughs> and all these health and safety worries. Um, and he said, no, we've got to go to Paris. We've got to see this restaurant. And, and we did. Yeah, I think we went for lunch with a tape measure in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Came back, did our interpretation. Um, the restaurant's called Robert and Louise. Yeah, they did a whole menu, I think, on the fire, whereas we focus on the venison, uh, the steaks. Uh, so we do, like, ribs of beef, um, pork chops. We make our own venison sausages. So that's kind of an offering from the fire. And, and truth be told, it's the focal point. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, the real draw. People love it. People come back for it. People hear all about it. Um, and then you're disappointed on a Sunday because we do we do a traditional Sunday lunch. We don't well, cook on the fire. I just think it's funny that we thought he was mad and actually it was genius. <laughs> he knew exactly that it was going to work. And and it's hard to miss it. Like you walk into the pub, you go through the sort of bar area and there's those absolutely gigantic just hanging over this fireplace. And I think, is it Beth was telling me they're 10,000 year old elk yeah. antlers? Yeah, that's right. But the other thing is everything in the building was renovated, what, 12 years ago now. But if you look around, you'd think it had been like this for hundreds of years. And that's the work of Ivor and Robert Keim, the design team, uh, who have made it just look lived in and just comfortable. Uh, Even the bar... Uh, was brand new oak and it's been distressed down yeah it's almost like a stage set but it works it's not cheesy or and that's so interesting it sounds like the food actually came first and you sort of had this idea cooking over the open fire you know going back to olden times slowing things down hyper seasonal and then the, the design sort of came to marry with that and again you've got this sort of timeless British, a lot of William Morris, mm-hmm. very cosy, like dark jewel box colours, dark corners. Um, but then actually have all this amazing art as well. Which yeah, it's, just... a, it, it's all a juxtapose, I think. Um, we, we made a conscious decision to not have televisions in our rooms um, to help guests disconnect from the outside world. In a, it, you know, we live in a time where we're all on our phones and... <laughs> laptops and everything all the time and it was just to kind of take technology out mm. and let people you know read and yeah. relax and yeah. be down in the bar actually that was yeah I just said let's not put tvs up there we want them in the bar spending money <laughs> <laughs> I see what he's done there yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah it's, it's people seem to love it it's connected with Uh, Like I said, we've been here just over a decade and it's connected with people in so many ways. Um, Lots of people that started coming when we first opened still come. Um, We've seen 
people get married and you know all of it all of life which is which is really lovely there wasn't a lot of uh head scratching when it came to doing the menu um the hub of the park um if you notice you know you're surrounded by fallow and red deer mm. which when in season is you know really instrumental yeah and as i said previously chrome is five miles down the road so you've got the offering of the shellfish so the template for the menu had already been given to me yeah. by the locality. Mm-hmm. So 12 years in, you know, we kind of venture through the uh, calendar. Uh, the winter months brings us local game, pheasants, mm. uh, partridge, um, and then you, know, you get into spring, which I love when you get the asparagus, mm. uh, the wild garlic comes in, and your chroma crabs and the lobsters start to come back so it's it's almost like a helping hand yeah when you're in london you you don't get chance to appreciate that you you don't you don't get chance to be privy to to it on your doorstep you know you can drive down the road and people have stalls outside the houses selling samphire um you know bunches of and that and that can kind of prompt you that time of year I should be I should have it on my menu by now <laughs> so uh, that's been uh, a joy as a chef for me yeah. and there's something incredibly grounding about living in the seasons and it feels like it's having such a moment now everywhere with seasonal seasonal produce mm-hmm. but it sounds like you were way ahead of the curve and doing well, this I back think a lot in of the... people would love to do it and yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of tormented chefs out there who strive to do it but it's been made easy for me because it is on my doorstep yeah. and people do actually knock on my door and say uh, would you be interested in this um, yeah. you know sea bass we've just lined caught from the beach or you know I, yeah we just got a box of sprout tops so instead of brussels sprouts we'll be using the um the leaves on the menu with chestnuts now we're getting into the festive period yeah. um yeah it's um partridge like partridge around here yeah but venison is the main thing, you know, the bar, we, we do a great venison sausage roll, what gets perched on the bar, so you can have a slice of that with your pint mm. of ale, um, there's a pool table in the bar, so a lot of thought went into kind of um, grounding the offering, it wasn't a case of, um, it couldn't be confused with a fine dining mm. uh, destination, it, yeah. it is fundamentally a, a pub. Mm-hmm. It was important to get the beer right, yeah. get the food right, get the ambience right. Mm-hmm. You know those key ingredients which which allow you to attract yeah. people. And, and yeah. again, nothing's changed. We got a lot of things um, right early on. Yeah. Um, not everybody doesn't get the chance to do that. Yeah, I remember feeling like we were in the eye of the storm to start with those first couple of years because we were really lucky to be awarded the Michelin Pub of the Year. We won. Um, a, a Fashion your entry good food, yeah. Yeah, but it all kind of came... Uh, you, you can't quite process it. I think it's yeah. taken this length of time to to actually look back and go, wow, we did But we really also refused to get complacent about it. Mm. No, we really appreciate it. We've retained that um, Michelin Bib Gourmand now for 10 years, yeah. which we're really, really proud of. Um, but we've got the team to do it. We've got a great core team who allow us to keep the consistency. 
allow us to be bold enough to um, venture further with it. With a lot the... of your kitchen team have been here between eight and ten years, and even the front of house staff like Beth and Lizzie and everybody have been here at least five years. So we retain a core, a core team that all believe in what we're doing. Um, and and they share, they share our understanding of um, how special the place is. Um, again, Ivor's great at inspiring people and you, know, you, you often find him taking people on an art tour <laughs> around the pub and, you know, he's very proud of what we've all achieved and, yeah. and it is something we've all done together. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And it does feel like we, so I walked in quite late last night, but it was, there was a real buzz here. There were people in the bar, there was, mm-hmm. the pool table was busy. People were enjoying those margaritas and the restaurant looking at you, Stuart. Um, <laughs> but you know, there, there was a real buzz. And like you say, it's, it's not in the heart of a village. It's, mm-hmm. you're not picking up footfall, but there was this real, it was alive. It was full of warmth and people enjoying. But you did arrive at a very special time of the year. Yeah. Winter. I always say it comes into its own. Mm. Uh, the pub kind of lends itself to that William Morris vibe, yeah. arts and crafts um, feel to the place. The fires are going. The menu represents um, the winter months. And also it's, people come here for escapism, and that's what they get. Whereas it is summer, people um, spill out onto the, it's a different beast the, the lawns outside. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's, it gets very busy. We get a lot of visitors to the county um, who want to come. And, that, and that's why we can, it's not all about the restaurant. We we offer a varied snack menu and you can sit outside and have a salt beef sandwich. Mm, yeah, well, it's lovely, isn't it? And in terms of the people who come here then, is it a mix of locals and tourists? Mm, very much, yeah, very much. We, um, well, we're, two northerners that moved here to open this. Ivor was um, already living here on the estate for about 20-odd years, wasn't he? So he, it was, if any of us, he had the connection here. Um, But I feel that what we bought was, you know, everybody was welcome. We had no preconceived ideas of anybody that lived locally or you know social ranking or anything you know the one rule was as long as you behave yourself you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) and um uh, and so yeah we we've always had it you know everybody rubs together in the bar whether you're you know famous face very inclusive not exclusive Yeah, yeah exactly but there's no private dining rooms or anything like that everybody just has to kind of Melly on together yeah because you guys don't actually do big parties really you don't do exclusive hires or anything no i'd love to hear a bit about the reasoning behind that and really just because we wanted to be a pub first and foremost and you know to be open and and it would be really easy to close every saturday through august and do a wedding and get our money in that way but that wasn't the idea the idea was to be here for the local community as much as anybody that would be coming to stay for the weekend from out of town. So it was really important to all of us that 
we'd just be, yeah, a bit more grounded than... And also, I think the um, Elderton Lodge, mm. I think that used to rely on um, weddings at the weekends, I think. That was what uh, the Gunton was called. Ivor was adamant he didn't want to sort of pursue that. I think it irritated him them playing dance music till (laughs) two in the morning (laughs) because it's very flat. It floats across across to the tower, and his his then wife Sarah Graham said, "Well, if you don't like it, buy it." (laughs) So he did. (laughs) Saying that, saying that, I meet a lot of locals who miss it. You know, they thought it had a. Unique charm to the place, you know, pink tablecloths and waiters with waistcoats. They like us now as well. (laughs) And that's that's so true what you say about making a space for the local community and being here for the people who live here and sort of prioritising that rather than big sellouts to people who come for a wedding once a year or whatever it is. Um, and actually, kind of, as you were speaking, that kind of reminded me of this whole like William Morris thing, which obviously has prints everywhere. I think you were saying you have some original curtains next door from That's the big right, man himself. Yeah. And his whole thing was this around sort of slowing down and going back to sort of shunning this like modern technology, which he saw as a disaster, and like connecting with people, building communities, which seems really apt for what you guys are doing here. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And also because Gunson um, Park is um, a private park, I think I've. Uh, really wanted to give people the opportunity to have a glimpse. Mm-hmm. So the Guns and Arms provides people with a little bit of a sneak kind of view yeah. Yeah. Of, of the park in its full glory. You know? Definitely. Um, so that was quite important. Yeah, to slip through those big yeah, park just, just to welcome yeah. people and say, look, you know, Gunton Park is um, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty in itself, isn't it? Yeah, people come to sit outside and watch the deer and have a pint as much as they come for, you know, not everybody comes to to dine. People come and look at the artwork. I mean, you know, we've got people on our walls, even in this room, you've got Lucy and Freud. Gerard Stamp. Gerard Stamp. Um, And you, you wouldn't get the opportunity outside of a gallery to see, to see these these works of arts on, on, on a pub wall. And Ivor was really ahead of the curve in, in doing that. I think there's a few more places have opened now in Somerset and places. But um, Ivor was a pioneer, really. He was doing it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Giving people access not only to a sort of physical space, but yeah. also this like creative space. And yeah. Access to these amazing work of art. I mean, how often do you get to go to the loo with a Damien Hurst? Exactly. He didn't want to put on, you know, it'd been really easy to put uh, pictures of Clyde Windmill or, um, you know, children playing on a beach, but he, he, he yeah. didn't, you know, he wanted to challenge you more than that. He wanted to make it provocative yeah. and, and thought-provoking and something to talk about mm. over dinner rather than... I think provocative is a great word. Some <laughs> of the pieces are quite, whoa, okay. Like, it's almost, it's quite dark and snug and cosy. And I'm also quite short-sighted, which doesn't help. But I'd be like, oh, yeah, nice painting. And I'd be like, whoa, that's not what I thought it was at first. Yeah, you get a jolt. You know? And you get closer and you're like, wow, okay, that's that. I Why are you it. choking on your margarita? I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> just trying to enjoy my sticky toffee pudding here. <laughs> it's not for everyone. We've we've had our... We've had our um, but we also win over quite a lot of people. A lot yeah. of people come a little bit... Um, 
kind of obviously heard other people's opinions and it's not until they come that they buy into it and appreciate what we've done. Mm. Um, of course, there's always going to be something people are going to uh, find distasteful. It'd be Marmite and beige, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so many pubs, I think, uh, you probably used to, uh, minus the... The, the artwork but used to be very dark and oaky and um cozy you know stained by s- smoke nicotine in their time and, Little and snug all, rooms. all got ripped out they put in lots of overhead lighting and white big white spaces and you know we've taken everything back to yeah. how pubs used to be I think yeah definitely and you're looking around I mean it feels like this could have been here 50 years ago and mm. it can still be here 50 years. Mm, definitely. I feel incredibly right for that time and day. Yeah. yeah. It's really well definitely. done. Well, well, speaking of that then, looking ahead, what does the next chapter for the Gunton Arms look like? The next chapter is um, hard work is the day-to-day for us. It's the um, consistency, all the boring little bits, you know, ensuring that the um, standards are uh, maintained making sure the the rooms, the upkeep of the rooms, Mm -hmm. um, because it's quite unique in another way, whereas it's not been put together in a commercial way. It wasn't done like that. It's it's, it's quite unique in the fact that all the fixtures and fittings are not what an orthodox um, hotelier might have done, you know, and, and that's what gives it its homely feel as well. Yeah, it gives it its charm, but so, the yeah. upkeep of all of that is um, ongoing. Well, our, our challenges are, yeah, just ensuring we don't get complacent, mm. keeping the team motivated. Uh, we've recently um, opened up our sister pub, the Suffield Arms, which um, has a Mediterranean-themed offering, then there, but again, another fantastic um, venue where um, I was given the place a bit of a Victorian greenhouse lean to um, approach to the restaurant, but retain the locals' bar in the same vein we have at the Gunton Arms. And then uh, I think the jewel in the crown is the upstairs cocktail bar, which is. You know, it's like being transported back to Prohibition times. It's just Ooh. got a fantastic kind of vibe. Well, got to be it. sort of seen to believed, really. You, yeah. you, you, you have to go and see it for yourself. Rich it's amazing. Velvet's bonquet seating and heavy drapery. And, I mean, it's like a spaceship's landed in Norfolk. And <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, you, can, you, can enjoy, you can enjoy paellas. Know, sitting next to uh, venison tagines and you know all the um, Spanish hams and jamons and mm. so it's that a real. Lovely. <laughs> oh, I got everything here in Norfolk. Quite much time for me to look a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also just opened your well, just a couple of years ago, opened your kitchen garden here. What yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah. We've got Julie on board, who's uh, really taken ownership, made it a labour of love. Um, we're rebuilding the Victorian yeah, glass house. Finding out what works, what doesn't work. Um, but the glass house is going to be, that will open up 
to you know cultivating tomatoes and fruits and the vines in there all these things all yeah we've got hundred year old vines that we've been having to carefully protect Make from sure the, frost the latest frost yeah. yeah um so they're actually building that part first so that the vines can stay living there um uh, yeah it's exciting. I'd love to do I'd love to do a um a table in the garden in the summer mm. in the summer months sit down there and uh Dying amongst the vines. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Let me know when you're hosting it. <laughs> a big summer party, massive trestle tables ah. full of flowers, and they loved me. Oh God, that, that'll get you through the winter. <laughs> yeah. Thinking on that, yeah, focus yeah. on that. Oh, it's been so lovely chatting. Before we do go, I do have a closing tradition. I'm going to ask you three questions. Imagine you've just cashed the winning lottery checks, and money is of no object. And you just let me know what space comes to mind for each of you. So number one is, where do you get away from it all to detox and disconnect? Wow. Well, we, uh, Simone's family have um, had an apartment in Malta for many decades. Yeah. And um, I've enjoyed being a guest in in Malta and in the family home. Um, So I think that's a real... Home from home, um, chance to just down tools, switch off, mm. you know, sip, sip a beer in the sun. That's, uh, I think that's my little escape. Yeah, it's still. Um, it feels very easy untouched. for us, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's very easy yeah. to go for us, yeah. Little v- fishing village. Are you the same or are you get me out of Malta? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I do love sunshine, but I, I, you know, I was born in Leeds and so the Yorkshire Dales and the North York Moors, Whitby area, really, you know, I, I love holidaying up there. Um, so yeah, and, and I don't know, any space that we're together as a family really. Okay, next one's slightly different. Your ultimate birthday party, where are you hosting it? The Gunton Arms. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Gunton Arms. <laughs> you can say the Gunton if you want. <laughs> mm. Yeah, wow, what a question. Um, I don't know, I'd be fair. Oh, love that, yeah. <laughs> You won the lottery, go for it. Yeah. Hire out all of my beefer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, who knows? Don't know. Seems like uh, we've got the family now, so I suppose it's yeah, all a bit difficult to get the dog and uh, mm-hmm. everybody to a beefer, maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, Gunton Arms it is then, hey? Yeah. <laughs> and then, finally, once in a lifetime, bucket list trip, where are you going? And are you staying anywhere special? Ooh. Mm. It's quite hard questions, these. I know, because you'd oh. go everywhere. You'd want to go everywhere. Where would I really want to go? There? I'd, I'd go back to Brazil, for sure. You always used to say, because you spent some time in uh, New England, didn't you? Yeah. And, I, and I'd love to go to Maine and go to all the little shack, shellfish shacks and stuff like that. So I would... Yeah, I've never been, so that's kind of I've never on my, been to the Caribbean either. List. I know you work there. I'd like to go there. <laughs> yeah. So we've got one yacht in the Caribbean and one road trip through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just start in Maine and drive all the way Work down. Work your way down, <laughs> yeah. end on a yacht. Jobs are good. Exactly. <laughs>
Oh, well, it's been such a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much for having me for the sticky toffee pudding, the margaritas. Oh, no, it's, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, come back. Come back in the summertime. Be here for the feast in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this Creator Spaces episode. And if you've enjoyed listening, please do hit that follow or subscribe button. It helps so much with finding new brilliant partners who keep the podcast going so that we can keep sharing the stories behind all of these amazing spaces. And if you are looking for more content, you can find links in the show notes to both our Instagram and Substack, or you can subscribe for our weekly roundup of slow travel and under the radar finds. Now go and crack on with booking that next trip and I'll catch you next time for more curated spaces.